Church, I get the privilege to kick off this series, All Things New. All Things New, discovering the treasure that is ours because of our new life in Jesus Christ. Discovering the treasure that is ours because of our new life in Jesus Christ. And today, uh, I, I need some participation, class participation, all right? Church participation. Today, I'm going to ask a few questions, all right? And, and, and I want you to answer by raising your hands. That, that's acknowledging the question or, you know, you've been there before, you acknowledge it. And by raising your hand, you're, gonna, you're, you're participating today, all right? Okay, so here's a few questions for you guys. <clears throat> how many of you have, have, how many of you remember entering a new grade? A new grade, a new school, right? From elementary school to middle school, middle school to high school, high school to college, and so on. How many of you remember entering a new grade? Raise your hand. All right, everyone, everyone, right? I remember entering high school, right? I, I went to school in the mainland. To Jefferson High School, and that was a ghetto school, okay? Ghetto, all right? And, and I remember being, uh, being afraid of going to school, right? Because every, every th- this campus was bigger. The students were bigger. The girls were prettier, right? And, and I was just a little fish in this big pond, all right? How many of you uh, remember going shopping for new clothes, have gone shopping for new clothes, all right? It's okay, guys, don't worry. I ain't going to make fun of you. All right? Ladies love going shopping, right? All ladies have two hands and their feet up. Okay? <laughs> and what's the first thing that young people do once they get new clothes? Get out their phone, pull out Instagram, hashtag selfie. All right? <laughs> all right? New clothes. All right? I, I, I enjoy going shopping for new clothes. I'm going to put my man card out there for you guys. And I enjoy going shopping for new clothes. If I had extra time and extra money, you better bet I'll, I'll, I'll go and shop for some new clothes, okay? I enjoy it. We're going to get a little personal with this question, all right? <clears throat> personal. Be honest, be honest, okay? How many of you remember your first kiss? Raise your hand, raise your hand. Okay? All the fathers that have daughters are looking at their daughter like, you better not raise your hand right now. <laughs> all right? <laughs> okay, you remember your first kiss, all right? For, for some of us, it was this magical, a new experience, right? You, you saw the fireworks, pew, pew, pew. Uh, ladies, you did one of these, ding, all right? You remember that first kiss, right? For others, it was just a train wreck, boom, all right? My first kiss, I get the honor to say that my first kiss um, was with Amanda, my wife. I waited a long time to get my first kiss. And, and let me tell you, it was magical. It was a great, a great experience for me, all right? I, I saw those fireworks when I first kissed her, right? But if you ask her, hey, how was Santos' first kiss? She'll tell you, it was a sloppy, wet mess, okay? <laughs> hey, it was my first time ever, okay? But I got some practice now, and I think I got better, okay? <laughs> all right, for married folks, married folks that you're here today, how many of you remember... Your wedding day, your wedding day, raise your hand. Gentlemen, raise your hands right now. Okay, I'm trying to help you out, man. Okay, raise your hands high. All right, you remember your wedding day, right? It was a, a, a new union, right? It, it was a beautiful day. And at the same time, it was so nerve-wracking, right? Right? 
So ladies, the brides, just wish they could hold on to that moment forever. They wish they could freeze that, that, that picture, that moment in time forever. And gentlemen, the only thing we were thinking about was like, when can this end? Because I want to go to the hotel room, all right? <laughs> okay? So, so, but this was a new union, a new experience for a lot of us or for the wedding, the, the married folks. Now let's, let's get to a little deeper. How many of you... Remember being born. Oh, thank the Lord. Nobody raised their hands. Okay. I was just waiting. Somebody would raise their hands. It's going to mess everything up. Okay. But not a lot of us have, not a lot of us remember being born. We don't have a recollection of being born. We may have some stories from our parents. We may have some pictures. Some of us may have some VHS, some tape of us being born. Right. But, but we don't really remember being born. And so today, we're going to be speaking about birth, a new birth, about being born. And we're going to look in, in the book of John, chapter 3. John, chapter 3, and we're going to discuss this birth. And one thing we know is true is this, that life comes after birth. That once you're born, you come to live life. That, that life comes after birth. That when you're born, life comes after it. So John chapter 3, we're going to read a lengthy portion of scripture. And I kind of want you guys to just follow along. And in this story that we're going to read about, it's going it's to have two characters, two individuals, two gentlemen in this story. And the first gentleman is Nicodemus. Nicodemus, we, we don't really know much about who Nicodemus is, right? Not a lot of us know the story of Nicodemus. He didn't slay a giant. He didn't perform a miracle. He, he, he didn't really do much. But he's a, an individual that we're going to talk about today. That, that he asked a few questions. He had a conversation with the second gentleman. The second gentleman that we're going to talk today about is Jesus Christ. And, and, and I hope you know a little bit about who Jesus is. He's the son of God, came down to earth to die for our sins, was crucified Three days later, he rose again. He conquered death. He conquered sin. So these two individuals are the people that we're going to be talking about. These two individuals had a conversation, had a discussion. So John chapter 3, starting in verse 1, we're going to read. And like I said, it's a lengthy portion of scripture, but I'm going to try to break it down as much as I can for you guys. And it says this, now there was a Pharisee. A man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. So we're going to stop after verse 1. We don't know much about Nicodemus except these two things. One, he's a Pharisee. And two, he's a member of this Jewish ruling council. So if you've ever read the Bible, if you've ever read the Gospels in the Bible, we know this. That Jesus, he was the good guy. He was a good guy. And he had his crew that he hung out with. They were called the disciples. They were good guys, except for that one who betrayed him, Judas. And, and, and so in the Gospels, we read that Jesus was a good guy. His disciples were the good guys. And, and so we have the villains, the bad guys. And these guys were known as the Pharisees. And I say that because these were religious leaders that, that you know what, they didn't like the teachings of Jesus. They, they didn't believe that Jesus would be their Messiah, that Jesus would be their Savior. They didn't want to, to think of a carpenter's son was going to be the king. 
And, and the, these Pharisees, they also were the ones that plotted and schemed the crucifixion of Jesus. And, and, and so we, we have the Pharisees, these bad guys. And we have Jesus and his disciples, these good guys. So we know this, that Nicodemus was a Pharisee. But it also says that he was a member of the Jewish ruling council. And the Jewish ruling council basically means this, that Nicodemus was a man of power. He was a religious leader, a political leader, a man of authority, possibly a man of wealth. That, that Nicodemus was this member of the Jewish ruling council. And this council, you know what, they, they, they're kind of like uh, the mafia. They're kind of like the Illuminati, all right? They, had, they, they, they ran things. They, they pulled strings around in the background. And so we know this of Nicodemus, two things, that he's a Pharisee, bad guy, and he's a member of the Jewish ruling council, that he was a man of authority, man of power, man of position, and possibly a man of wealth. And so we go on to read verse 2. He came to Jesus at night. We're going to stop there. How many of you have ever tried sneaking out of home? Right? Uh-oh, uh-oh. You, you, you don't sneak out of home in the broad daylight, right, when your parents are awake. I'm not showing you how to teach. I'm not teaching you how to sneak out from home, all right? But I'm just telling you, like, you don't sneak out of home in the broad daylight. You do it at night so your parents won't find you, so your parents won't catch you because you know what you're about to do isn't good, that you know that you don't want your parents to know what kind of mess you're going to get into, right? So Nicodemus comes to Jesus at night, and I believe he came tonight at night because he didn't want anyone to know that he was about to have this encounter with Jesus. He didn't want anyone to know that he was about to have this conversation with Jesus. Because this is true about Nicodemus. That he had everything to lose if he was caught speaking to Jesus. He had his power to lose. He has his authority to lose. He had his position to lose if he was caught speaking to Jesus. So he comes to Jesus at night. And he says, Rabbi... And rabbi is just, it's not a cool nickname, right? It just basically means a teacher or master. Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. For no one could perform these signs you are doing if God were not with him. So right off the bat, we see that Nicodemus, although he was a bad guy, he acknowledges who Jesus is. That he acknowledges, you know what, Jesus, you, you, you have to be you have to have, you have to be with God to perform all these miracles, to, to, to turn water into wine, to heal the sick, to heal the blind, to, to cast out demons. You, you, you have to be the son of God. So Nicodemus acknowledges the power that is in Jesus. And then Jesus kindly replies with love and compassion and says this, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. And this is where this phrase is coined, born again. And this is what we're going to be talking about today. The new birth, being born again or being born from above. And, and, and Jesus says this, that no one can see the kingdom of heaven. That no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. That no one can see or no one can understand unless they are born again. So Nicodemus, 
possibly sarcastically starts to talk and replies to, God, to Jesus and says, How can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asks, Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Like, hold up, Jesus. You just said we need to be born again. Are you telling me you want me to call my mom right now and tell her, hey, mom, I'm coming over and I'm going to climb back into your womb. That is not going to be pretty for nobody. All right? Nobody. And Jesus wasn't really talking about that. And all I got to say is this. I am glad I am not a woman. Okay? I'm not. I'm glad I'm not a woman. And all the fathers will say that too. They will say, I am glad I'm not a woman. Because this birthing process, it ain't easy. It's not. I give it up to all the mothers in the house today. Because this birthing process, it, it, it takes a transformation on your body, right? Throughout all those months. You're, you're caring for a living being inside of you that you don't even know how he or she looks like, right? I don't like sharing my food. But you mothers, you share your foods with these babies that are inside of you, right? And, and when it comes to, to due date, delivery time, that, that, that's not easy either. I mean, I remember watching uh, the videos in health class or sex ed class. And, and, and let me tell you, the real deal, it, it's nothing like the video. I mean, this is 3D high definition stuff, okay? And... and, and it's not easy. And when, when, when babies come out, I mean, it's like they're just like a slimy E.T., okay? All right, they're cute after, but when they come out, you're asking questions like, is that really mine? All right? The birthing process, it's not easy. So what is Jesus trying to tell us to be born again? Nicodemus asked sarcastically, do I have to climb back into my mother's womb? Is that what you're telling me, Jesus? And Jesus answers back, very truly, all calmly, he says, very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and spirit. Let me pause for a moment right here. That the first time Jesus mentions born again, he says, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. And now he mentions that no one can enter the kingdom of God, unless they are born of water and spirit, unless they are born again. Look, when you read your Bible and Jesus says something, we know this, that whatever he says, it's important. But when Jesus has to repeat himself, you know it's very, very important. So when he says that, you know what, you, in order to see the kingdom of God, in order to see heaven, in order to see the, the kingdom of heaven, you need to be born again. In order to see it, in order to understand it, you need to be born again. And not just that, in order to enter the kingdom of God, you have to be born again. So in order for us to see, understand, and enter the kingdom of God, we must be born again. So it's an important phrase. We must be born again. And it goes on in verse 6. Flesh gives birth to flesh. But the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born 
Again, he mentions it one more time. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes, comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. The flesh gives birth to the flesh. Uh, I remember growing up as a kid, um, I had an insecurity, okay? Maybe you all can relate to this. Maybe you all had some type of insecurities growing up. But I remember get making, get, being made fun of, all right? Being made fun of my lips. People were saying my lips are big. And I know everyone's right now staring at my lips, okay? <laughs> On down. So for the rest of the sermon. <laughs> no. But I remember being made fun of and people were saying, you got big lips, huh? You got big lips. You know, now my wife likes my lips. So it doesn't matter what you got to say about my lips, all right? But I had this insecurity about my lips being big. Maybe that's the reason why I have a beard, okay, to just hide my lips. But I remember when, when Ethan was born, when they cleaned him up and they put him on his mother's chest. And I remember um, the first thing I did was count his fingers because he had these huge fists, right? And I was just like, he looked like he had the Hulk gloves on, right? And, and I just counted one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, ten. Just making sure he had ten fingers and not twenty, okay? And, and, and you, 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 when you see my son, you can just tell this, he has Amanda, my wife, written all over him. He looks just like her. He, he has uh, these dark blue grayish eyes just like Amanda's father and my grandfather. He has this blondish kind of tint to his hair just like his grandfather. He has these curls just like my mom. And, and, and he, he looks just like Amanda. But there was one thing that I noticed when he was born. Besides his really humongous, freakishly hands. Was his big lips. <laughs> and, and there was no denying that this kid was my son. Because he resembled his father. He resembled his mother. He resembled his parents. And so flesh gives birth to flesh. We resemble our parents. We resemble our father, our mother. But when it comes to the spirit, when it comes to being born again in the spirit, our spirit resembles our heavenly father. And the Bible talks in the book of Galatians about the fruit of the spirit, the characteristics of the spirit, being love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control, and gentleness. That these are characteristics of the spirit so that when we're born of the spirit, when we're born again, the spirit gives birth to the spirit. That when you act in kindness, in love, in joy, you're not just doing it out of a goodness of your heart, but you're doing it because you're resembling your heavenly father. So the flesh gives birth to the flesh, but the spirit gives birth to the spirit. Nicodemus goes on in this story. And he asks Jesus the question that probably, you know what, many of us have asked or are, gonna, are asking at this moment. And it's a simple question that says this. How can this be? How can this be, Jesus? Like, how can this be? This being born again. Like, what does this mean? 
That, that, you know what? Jesus wasn't really talking about the physical birth. You ain't got to crawl back in there and come out. No. That Jesus was talking about, you know what? This is a spiritual birth. That, that, that this body that we live in, this flesh, this skin, is going to live on average around 75 years of age. And then what happens next? Then our spirit lives on for eternity. So being born again isn't a physical birth, but it's a spiritual birth that takes place. So how can this be? How does this birthing process begin? Number one, being born again begins by believing. That being born again simply begins by believing. In this conversation, in this chapter, we have one of the most had known and memorized verses of all time. A verse that, that's so powerful. A verse that, that pretty much explains salvation. And it's this, John three sixteen, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. That whoever believes in him, Jesus, shall not perish, but have eternal life. So through this process, this new birth, this being born again, the treasure that we discover is simply this. The treasure that is yours, the treasure that is mine for believing in Jesus, for being born again is eternal life. Eternal life with Jesus. Being born again simply begins by believing. Believing in Jesus. Number two, don't settle. Don't settle for I don't know. When it comes to your salvation, when it comes to being born again, when it comes to believing in Jesus, don't settle for I don't know. That's like Major Phil coming up to me and asking me, hey, Santos, are you married to Amanda? I don't know. Hey, Santos, is Ethan your son? I don't know. He just seems to always be there. I don't know. That when it comes to your salvation, when it comes to eternity, don't settle for I don't know. Be 100% sure. Because three things are true. Three things are real. Number one, heaven is real. It's a real place. Number two, hell it's real. It's a real place. You can't preach Jesus and the love of God if you don't mention this hell. Hell, hell is real. Heaven is real. And eternity. Eternity is real. Like I said, this life that we live here on earth is just temporal. But what happens after lasts a lifetime. Last for eternity. So when it comes to your salvation, when it comes to eternity, don't settle for I don't know. Don't settle for I don't know. 1 John 5.13 says this. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. So that you may know you have eternal life. So that you may know, so that you may be 100% sure 
sure that there is no doubt in your mind or in your heart. There is no questions in your mind or in your heart that you know that for the rest of eternity, I will be spending my time in heaven. Because if I were to ask you, where would you like to spend eternity, heaven or hell, 100% of you will say, I would want to spend eternity in heaven. So when it comes to your salvation, when it comes to eternity, when it comes to believing in Jesus, when it comes to being born again, don't settle for I don't know. Number three is simply this. An encounter with Jesus can change your life. That just one encounter with Jesus can change your life. We read about this gentleman, Nicodemus. We saw that he was a Pharisee, a bad guy. He was part, uh, a member of the Jewish ruling council, a man of power, of authority. We don't really know if he got saved or not. We don't really know if he gave his life to Jesus at that moment. But the Bible does mention him two more times besides John chapter 3. The Bible mentions Nicodemus that, once again, that during the, the, when the Pharisees were plotting to crucify Jesus, that you know what, he, he demanded, he asked that Jesus have a fair trial. He stood up for Jesus and asked and demanded that he would have a fair trial. And the second time we hear about Nicodemus is towards the end of Jesus' life. That after he was crucified, they pronounced him dead. And Nicodemus shows on, on, the, on the scene and he helps the burial process of Jesus. That before Jesus resurrects, Nicodemus is there to help the burial process of Jesus. So we don't really know if he gave his life to Christ but I like to think that, you know what, his life was changed by that one encounter. That one encounter helped Nicodemus stand up for Jesus. That one encounter helped Nicodemus prepare Jesus' body for the burial. That his life was changed with one encounter, with that one conversation, with that one moment with Jesus Christ. And I'm here to tell you. That one encounter is all it takes to change your life. That you know what? We, we, we probably ha have been people who have tried it all to fill this empty void in our hearts. But that empty void is just reserved for Jesus. That no alcohol, no drugs, no sex, no success, no position, no title, none of that can fill the emptiness in our heart. But the only thing that can fill it is Jesus Christ himself. That today, one encounter with Jesus can change your life. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. Now I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. And I don't know about you, but that song that we just sang was so powerful. And I, and I just feel like singing it and worshiping again.
But let me tell you that the old has gone and the new is here. That you know what? When I believe in Jesus, when I give my life, when I commit myself to Jesus, the old is gone and dead. And the new me is alive, is born again. So the old is gone, but the new is here. The new is here. Let me tell you, church, that there is power in the name of Jesus. And I know it seems like a, a fairy tale story, right? It, it seems a little too difficult to understand that there really is power in the name of Jesus. That there is power to change a life. That there is power to change for eternity. And it seems impossible and it seems a daunting task to believe. But this is true. That in order for us to reach eternity in heaven with Jesus, it simply starts by believing. Believing in the name of Jesus. Believing that there truly is power in the name of Jesus. I don't know your background. I don't know what you're going through today. I don't know how your life looks like at this very moment. But I'm just here to tell you one thing. That there is power in the name of Jesus. And whether you believe it or not, I'm just going to preach that till I turn blue. Because I believe it for you. That there is power in the name of Jesus. Power to change the circumstances in your life. Power to change what's going on around you. Power to transform a family that's lost and broken. To be a family that's united and living for Christ. There is power in the name of Jesus. So today, church, I would like for you to believe. I would like for you to take that step and not settle for I don't know. That today would be the day that I solidify my relationship with Christ. That today will be the day that I'm born again. That today I know where I'll spend eternity. So church, would you please stand up with me? And we're going to sing this song one more time. And I just want you to believe it with all of your heart. That what you're saying isn't just a beautiful song. But what you're saying is a declaration that there is power in the name of Jesus. That there is power to change. And if you need prayer today for whatever reason, please come to the altar. That we'll be singing, we'll be worshiping. But if you need prayer for, for whatever reason today, please don't hesitate to come to these altars. And for those of us who would just stand, worship God. Believe in, this, in the name that there is no other name like Jesus. Nothing can come against that name. That there is power, no sickness, no poverty. So let's take this moment.